That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, here we are. We have uh, we've had our fill of turkey and tryptophan. We have uh, done our Black Friday shopping. We're all getting ready for Giving Tuesday. Uh, don't forget Mockingbird. Calvary St. George's, St. Elmo's Waco, and all your favorite charities. And here we are with, uh, but really, that's all you need. Those three are really, I mean, that's, what, yeah, that's what right. more do you Everything need? Everything else is gravy. That's right. So we're uh, doing the Lord, we're doing the Lord's work. That's right. So. <laughs> and, and here we are. I'm, I'm uh, coming at you from Austin, Texas. I'm here on a little, little family trip recording. I've gotten outside of Waco, out into the wide world. Uh, and, uh, but you, there you are in Manhattan still doing your same old song there in those, those, right, those gritty... Got my clericals on. I was at the hospital doing the Lord's work once again. So if you're really thinking about giving on Tuesday, you know, give where your money's most effective. Many, many people don't know that Jake, when he does his <laughs> hospital visits, he steals a lot of medical supplies and he does a, does a really good business, sort of a side hustle in, in selling those Just, on the black market. Just latex gloves. Just latex <laughs> likes, gloves and masks. Yeah, he likes to blow those little balloons and, and draw faces on them. <laughs> Howie Mandel. So <laughs> get your heart out. That's right. All right. <laughs> Nobody remembers Howie Mandel. I do. I do. All right. Enough silliness. Let's get into it. They're not here for the witty banter. Uh, it's mm. not witty. Who are, They're here for the goods. Who are we They're here for the goods. And by the way, just can I give a shout out? No. Okay. Is that all right with you? Please. I don't know. I, like I don't know. Who's it going to be? Depends. Here we... I'd like to shout out all the clergy who came to uh, the New York City uh, preaching conference with the Living Church. So um, it was a good time and good preachers and uh, grateful for all of you and hope um, if you didn't make it, that's totally cool. Same old song is enough. But if you did, uh, um, you know, it was so good to see you. I was not allowed to come uh, since last time mm, I was at Calvary no. St. George's. Jake has taken out a restraining order on me. <laughs> I cannot right. come within 100 Saxon's yards of I the am. property. But a real quick shout out to the Ecumenical Institute of St. Mary's. They uh, they did a great job and uh, it's just great to see my friends from that place. So check them out. Any more shout outs, Jake? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, that's that's good for now. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, if you think of any, we'll come back to it at the end. But we are in a special time of year for Same Old Song because that we we launched, Jake and I, as co-hosts of this podcast, uh, launched our first thing uh, in Advent in 2018, mm-hmm. year C. Mm-hmm. So now we're going into year B. B. It is the new liturgical year. Happy New Year, everybody. And just so you know, preachers, if you're going uh, sort of, if you're a planner, uh you always sort of, um, you know, each year A, B, or C of the liturgical uh, year in the lectionary, um, there's one gospel that's really f- uh, a focus of the year. And it'll be, for this year, the Gospel of Mark. So you, we'll be getting into it in Advent. Um, 
of course, it jumps around a little bit for Epiphany and Easter and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it, once we really get into the cliff it, note of the Gospels, yeah, that it's the Gospel it's, according to Peter. It's so inside. fast, it's uh, Jesus is mm. immediately doing everything in Mark all the time. Immediately mm. he went there, and immediately he did mm. this. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be the year for the for the Gospel of Mark. So, uh, just a good thing to note for uh, Advent. Um, uh, make sure that as you you'll begin to see a lot of visitors and people that kind of come home for church. So have an extra eye out for newcomers and visitors and uh, um, wayward uh, sons and prodigal daughters and folks like that coming back and um, uh, just be be gentle and and uh, and kind as those folks come into your churches this this time of year. Um, yeah, and don't and then, don't be the Advent police. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and. Uh, I mean, Advent is important, but do not be the Advent police. You know, some of the things you can think about for Advent is like time and fulfillment, these different themes. But one, you can craft a sermon series around, I mean, three out of the four Sundays is um, Isaiah. Mm-hmm. And so and then so you can look at a little bit of Isaiah. And then with the fourth Sunday of Advent, which uh, for those of you who haven't planned, just to give you a heads up, it is Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, you know, but the reading, the Old Testament reading is from Second uh, Samuel, where uh, David longs to build the temple for the Lord. And so you begin to see, like, um, it takes you back to the good old days, because Isaiah's in the bad days. It takes you back to the good old days when things were great and perfect. Um, but we uh, begin to realize that there is a new king in whom everything that Isaiah looked for, David's greater son, uh, finds its meaning and fulfillment, Jesus Christ the righteous. But um, our readings today, that's just a you know quick big idea for a preaching series, if you'd like. Um, Getting but, ahead uh, of ourselves. Our, uh, but, and you don't have to give Jake credit from the pulpit. You don't, don't, don't do that. Don't. Don't do that. Just take it. So it's free. Um, <clears throat> you know, I talked to a guy one time. Uh, uh, a well-meaning pastor. And, uh, well, he was a pastor, no matter how well-meaning, but he was very earnest. But, uh, uh, you know, he once was telling me about, like, I asked him about what was the hardest part of his, he asked me what the hardest part of, like, my vocation was as an Episcopal priest. And we happened to be going through a season with a lot of funerals and things like that. And a lot of the older ladies who kind of welcomed us into the fold were dying at that time. And so I said, you know, I'm going this particularly sad season. And I asked him, I was like, what's really, what's the difficult thing for you? And he said, always thinking about something new. What's the new thing that we're going to do? And, uh, and I really realized, I mean, that, that's, that's a tough place to be. And so um, we have the same old song over and over and over again we can talk about. So our readings today are Isaiah 64 verses 1 through 9. We have 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 through 9. And then Mark chapter 13, verses 24 to 9. No, just kidding, to 37. So apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, good stuff. But uh, anything you want to talk about when you come to Isaiah 64? The themes that you get in Advent are waiting and longing and wanting to have fulfillment, but you don't have it yet. Um, and this is mm. the whole thing of Advent, which to me makes it such a beautiful season. I think you and I both agree it's our favorite uh, liturgical season. Um, I know a lot of people for whom it's their favorite liturgical season, not only because Sarum blue is the prettiest of all the liturgical colors mm. and only used in the Episcopal Church. Don't use the purple people, save it for Lent and do the Sarum blue now. But the themes of it are so poignant in a world which wants to always jump to fulfillment and always kind of um, skip over the bad stuff, the hard stuff, the waiting rooms of life the uncertain times, Advent really leans into that in a beautiful, powerful way. And because the hope of Christmas is so near, um, 
that takes some of the edge off. It's not quite as bleak. Uh, it's a time of hope, a time of expectation, a time of longing. Um, it's the engagement, not the marriage. It's the pregnancy, not the birth. It's, um, it's the preparation, not the uh, accomplishment. And, and there's just mm. so much there that connects with where people live most of their lives. Most people are sort of living Advent lives. We're waiting for the next thing. Mm. We're waiting for the thing to happen. We're sort of stuck and, and not sure. Um, we know that good days are on the corner, but they're not here yet. Um, and we're also looking for the redemption of all things. So the other big theme in Advent is the return of Christ. Uh, and so, as you've said, we're not only looking back to the announcement of Christ and his first arrival, but his first Advent, but we're looking towards the second arrival, the second Advent as well, which is just to say, as I said, all of life is sort of in this between the first arrival and the second arrival of Jesus Christ. It's sort of one big Advent season of waiting. So you see this in the Isaiah thing. Mm. So um, it begins with Isaiah asking God to come down, uh, to rip open the ceiling, uh, tear open the heavens, and to come down. I sort of think about um, um, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage sort of breaking in with the Slim Jims. Like needle and excitement, mm. oh yeah! Like he just comes in the walls and so like just bursts through. You can, if that's a little too aggressive for you, you can just think of the Kool Aid Man coming through the wall. Mm. Sort of a similar deal. But you know, you want something to break in to, to fix. And so, um, God, please come and help. But when you ask God to come into your living room, you also realize that maybe that that um, your living room is not in order. Uh, you left your bong on the coffee table. You uh, you you're you know he can fire up the Netflix and see what the suggestion like based on your viewing you should watch this and he'll see that mm. you've been way too deep into whatever the mind-numbing category is that you're in or whatever the case may be um so here isaiah asks god to come down but at the same time uh and, and realize and you know wants god to clean house with israel's enemies but also at the same time realizes oh our own house is not in order and this really if if i were to um because you can, in a sermon, you can really only say one thing, maybe 1.5 things. Um, but the thing that I feel is really, um, I don't know, to me, uh, existentially connecting here is verse 6. We have all become like one who's unclean, and mm. all our righteous deeds are a filthy cloth. And to me, that is mm. the turn. That is the surprise in this passage. Because when you say we've all become like one who's unclean, you think that the person is about to list all the bad things they have done. Um, you know, they've cheated, we've cheated on our taxes. We have not been honest in our dealings with people. I have been hiding something from my spouse. I have been, uh, um, you know, uh, totally self-absorbed or, or I've, you know, whatever the thing may be that is the bad thing that you're doing. You think that there's going to be a list mm -hmm. of bad things. But instead he says, no, our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. There's a realization that the good, we have been doing good things for the wrong mm -hmm. reason or with um, wrong motives or in a way that is sort of narcissistic or, or self-absorbed. So um, uh, there, there, it's just sort of a, uh, it's a little bit of that opening collect that we have in, there, in our services. Oh, oh God, to you almighty, almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known and from you, no secrets are hid. So there's this, this kind of this laying bare, it's being stripped and, and seen, um, and this desire for forgiveness. Um, mm. and, the, and it ends with this uh, request for mercy. Um, yeah. so that, that's, those are the themes that I would, that I would probably get at here in the Isaiah thing. I know you have some things you want to say about it. So what, no, what would I mean, you, it, I think you really hit it. And, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, Isaiah 64 is part of Isaiah 63, which is a big lament. Mm. 
And uh, the context is, is that, you know, God has like orchestrated Israel to finally come home under King Cyrus. And this should be like actually a really happy time, uh, you know, a time to celebrate God and his faithfulness. And so what uh, 63 or 64 is very powerful because it's like this turning, this realization of moving from uh, the fact that, you know, all of us have things going on in our life that are not working according to plan. You know, um, for them, the city is lays in ruin. The temple's in ruin. Their neighbors have made it really difficult to rebuild. There's like internal division because everybody has their ideas on what the temple should look like. And life in Jerusalem, uh, just like life for most of the people in your congregation in Advent, um, well, it's not a bed of roses. It's tough. And so, and that, I mean, I think that that is the uh, connector on one level for the first part of this particular reading. Who on the first Sunday of uh, Advent in your parish, while we're all in waiting and expectation, isn't dealing with like, you know, kind of the liturgical season of Walgreens and pressure Christmas, you know, and uh, who isn't dealing, that's causing like a severe form of anxiety or a mild form of anxiety. And this is uh, ready, your congregation, just like Israel is ready to hear now, that God is actually faithful. And when that realization begins to take hold of the human heart, well, then it can make confession like all of our works are actually like filthy rags, which uh, Paul reminds us as well. But um, I love the pivot takes place right here where he says, From ages past, no one has heard, nor ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You know, and the truth is, is that, I mean, in the midst of the gap between what we expected to happen and what God's actually doing, if it rested on us, I mean, we'd all be totally doomed. Mm. If it rested in our strength at all, we wouldn't survive the pressures of like secular Christmas, which is coming down the pipe or all of the trauma that goes on, let alone the end of the world. And, uh, and, and that's what your congregation needs to hear is that we have a God who faithfully fulfills all of his promises to us in Jesus and that he's our interceding Messiah. And therefore, I mean, on one level, we can relate to the people of Israel in a big way because life isn't about avoiding disappointment, but receiving the gift of the gospel in the midst of it. Uh, that Jesus, that in Jesus, God's love can't help but overwhelm you. And when that begins to overwhelm you, I mean, that, that makes room for like confession and that makes room for letting go and becoming less of a control freak, at least I pray and hope in my own life. And so that's kind of what I would say is that, um, you know, uh, God in the cross is always meeting us between the gaps of our expectations and the reality of his good and gracious fulfillment. Hmm. Well, uh, as we carry on these readings, we now jump into Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses yeah. 3 through 9, which we again have this idea of waiting um, and living in these in-between times. And so uh, Paul opening this letter, we pick, it's picking up kind of right at the beginning um, where he talks about um, uh, waiting for the day of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 8. So he's talking about what life looks like. Now they expected Jesus to come back uh, really, really, really soon. Um, we know that the the timing is, as we hear from Jesus in the next, uh, in the gospel reading, the timing is unknown to anyone. And, and a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So the timing of it is, is really not our business, but um, we do know that he's returning. And so Paul is speaking to people and uh, he is uh, saying to them uh, that God has enriched you 
God has given you spiritual gifts as you wait, and God will strengthen you. Um, there is a lot of talk in Advent, um, I think, where the, one of the major themes is, is kind of keeping awake and getting ready, preparing for the arrival of Jesus. And we get that very clearly in Mark's gospel reading, which is, will come up in just a second. But um, this passage also talks about kind of being blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, like getting ready for when he returns. Like he's going to ring the doorbell and you better have your act together and your life better be in order. And that can lead to these kind of Advent sermons that are very much like kind of dressing your people down and really from the pulpit haranguing folks, um, sometimes in a passive aggressive way, sometimes in an aggressive aggressive way, sometimes um, in sort of a guilt trippy way or whatever. But sort of, you know, inviting people to self-examination can can sound like a little bit of a power trip from the preacher. Um, uh, a, make sure you're doing it yourself, preacher, and B, um, uh, do this by describing what people's lives are really like, as opposed to like accusing with a wagging finger, but you know, getting people to wake up, getting people to, to kind of pay attention to their lives. Um, the, you can create a season of Advent sermons that are pretty guilt trippy and, and, uh, heavy on the law. And so what, what I would note in this passage is that it is, um, God who is doing the work in these people's lives. Paul begins by saying, I give thanks to my God, for you because the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. So God has given you grace. God has enriched you in Christ. God has given you spiritual gifts. God will strengthen you. So I think keeping that is the mindset that the, the call in Advent is not for us to go into our little um, uh, life fix-it mode, kind of DIY spiritual approach. Um, uh, while God is sort of looking on at the sidelines, maybe um, giving us a round of applause for our good spiritual work. It, it's, it's much more of a realizing that God is the one that does this work in us and through us. And, um, and our call is simply to remember that and come back to that truth again and again. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, the, the power of this passage, as you've said, is in the indicatives. And uh, this place is a huge mess. And this is a great, like, kind of a tip for preachers. You know, um, what Paul is doing here is he is preaching to them and he's teaching them and he's being descriptive in uh, who they are. Because this place, if you read the Corinthian correspondent, as some people like to call it, but if you read First and Second Corinthians, you know anything about this church, it's a total mess. Yes. It is a cluster. And so, but uh, he says, you know, um, uh, so he gives them, and this is where the gospel is. It's never in prescriptions. It's in descriptions. And he's describing to them what the testimony of Christ, as it's been strengthened among them, is doing to them. And what it is, is that the gospel, Christ has died for you, Christ has risen for you, Christ has, is, you know, it, it, that, when that hits the heart, man, you don't lack any spiritual gift. Yeah. It reveals the Lord, it strengthens you, uh, and it is the word that makes you blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is it all such good news? Because God is faithful. And, uh, and uh, God, uh, is faithful and he calls you into fellowship because of his son, Jesus Christ. And so that really is, um, uh, uh, if you're gonna preach this, uh, emphasize the, indic uh, the, the indicatives. Um, what is uh, not, uh, what, what has been done to them and what is being done in your congregation because of the testimony of Christ as it's strengthened among you. 
Yeah, and I think it is so important. Scripture is so much more about, about, as you said, Jake, the indicative, what God has done, what is true, as opposed to the imperative, what is God telling us to do or the commands. Um, And I I think because, um, as I think I've said before in this podcast, somebody asked me, when am I going to start telling people what to do and stop talking about grace all the time? And I said, oh, did you need me to tell you to not be a jerk to people? Oh, you didn't know that? You didn't know you weren't supposed to be a self-absorbed... um, uh, cotton-handed ninny muggins, to quote Buddy the Elf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think people already know uh, <laughs> that if if Google can start with its motto being "Don't be evil," like you know, I think people basically know that it is not not cool to Absolutely. to be awful. So that's not the news. So, that's not the surprise. Yeah. The news is is they uh, that's the testimony that Christ has died for yes. you. Yes. And you're absolutely right. I was having a conversation, um, a pastoral conversation, a while back, and. Somebody was like, you know, I mean, I like what you're saying. It's really good. But there are tons of the Bible that I just like to leave. You know, I could take it or leave it. And uh, I was like, that's very interesting. <laughs> and this becomes, I mean, you. and if you have that going on, and, and I love this. I was talking to this Swedish priest who quoted to me my favorite bishop of all time, Bo Geertz, the Swedish Bishop of Gothenburg. And this guy, uh, this priest came up to him and was like, uh, you know, Bishop Geertz, I don't know if I believe anymore. And uh, Bo goes, well, you made vows to preach this, so just be faithful to your vows. It doesn't matter what you believe. But, um, you know, so I can take or leave it. And the truth is, is that when we approach the scriptures and we approach the word that way, it's because we've glossalized everything. We've confused and muddled these two words of law and gospel. And the truth is, is that when you separate them and you give the law at its highest pitch, you begin to realize, I mean, there's nothing we can take or leave, but uh, rather that which we uh, want to leave is being condemned. And uh, the good news of the gospel is, is that Jesus in all of the gospel, the testimony of Christ, which is being strengthened among you, takes away all your sin. And so you need not fear that law. And when the devil accuses you of not living up to it, you can say, well, absolutely, devil. And uh, But I have the righteousness of Jesus. Mm. And so as my friend Frank Sonic says, you can just tell the devil go straight back to hell. Yep. And so, but that is the good thing. But if you're preaching imperatives, you are going to crush your congregation. You're going to send them the other way. And you're going to send them to further despair and anxiety. And so you need to really remember that this is the indicative and describe what Christ is doing in them. And it's such a relief. Really? I don't see it. Well, don't worry about that because your life is hidden. Just hear what's coming out of my mouth. Yeah, I can tell you, uh, and this is um, just an objective fact, that Jake and I preach the gospel Sunday after Sunday, week after week, year after year in these places. And it, as it turns out, it is the strangest and funniest thing. Our churches are full of people who are actually doing um, these things like loving their neighbor and caring for folks and um, exhibiting Christian community. And not once from the pulpit have we told them to do it. Um, but what we have told them is what is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-9, through 9, that God is faithful and that he Amen. is the one that will make you blameless, not you yourself. God is the one who has done this. Um, God has given you grace in Jesus Christ, as it says in verse four, God is faithful. So if you wanna underline, highlight, and circle in red pen and um, put a red star in the margin for your congregation on any verse here, um, I think it's, it's, for me at least, it'd be verse nine, God is faithful. God, so many Christians go through life feeling they have been faithless. They haven't carried up their end of the bargain. They haven't done their part or whatever it is. And they're beating themselves up for lack of spiritual fortitude or church attendance or whatever it is. And that's not here. It says God is faithful. 
and and it's um it's, it's God will strengthen you to the end so that you may be, be mm-hmm. blameless. He doesn't say you get your act together and be blameless. He says God is faithful. Mm-hmm. God will strengthen you. God is the one who does it. And this is the message yeah. that is preached. And this is the powerful thing. It turns out that when you don't tell people to do things, but that God has done things for them, it has the incredible impact of actually um, beginning to change hearts and lives. So beautiful. And that word will carry you right through the apocalypse. Let me tell you. Yeah, this is Mark's little apocalypse. You know, apocalypse is that word that means little, it means <clears throat> revealing or kind of um, making seen what has been um, hidden. And this whole passage, Mark 13, is like a, it's, it is a humdinger, let me tell you. Um, and you get just a little taste of it here, but it's sort of this, this uh, whole thing in, in very strong language from Jesus. The stars falling from heaven, the sun is dark, and the moon won't give light. And um, some of this is really typical of apocalyptic writing, which is pretty common in Jesus' day. And, um, and sort of um, uh, these are, these are, ways that people talk about really serious things when they really want to get your attention. And um, so uh, this is what Jesus is trying to do here. And he's talking about the return of the Messiah, the Son of Man coming in clouds and great glory. Um, And uh, I think if, again, you can only do so much in your 15 to 20 minute sermon. Um, And I think the, the themes here are, I would, I would underline um, a couple things. One is the, the um, temporary nature of all human activity, that everything is sort of passing away. Um, you, um, Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. That's a pretty huge statement. It means almost everything, not almost, everything in your inbox <laughs> doesn't matter. Everything on your to-do list doesn't matter in in a, in a, in a, in like, I mean yes. Please get your taxes in by April fifteenth, and um, if you can reply to emails within twenty four hours, that is the best practice. But I think we can say that, and also kind of on the in terms of ultimate things, what really matters. Nobody at your um, at your funeral is going to be talking about whether you were at inbox zero or not. Um, it's what really matters: the words of Christ will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. So kind of the temporary nature of all things. I think that's a good thing in Advent as our world gets in this season so materialistic. Um, Advent is about waiting. Advent is about sort of not having and hoping that things will be worked out in the future. But if they're not worked out now, it's about lack. It's about need. It's about wanting and waiting and longing and but not having. And so this temporary nature of human life, I think, is a big theme that you can explore here. And that's just a good reminder, a good kind of antidote to the... the um, high octane uh, materialism um, where people think that those things are, are thing, people, people give too much importance to things that ultimately don't really matter. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a big part here. Um, so uh, there's more I could say, but Jake, let me pass the mic to you. What would you add about Mark 13? Um, well, I would say that, uh, I mean, an interesting, like, I mean, a lot of this is, a lot of this is, already taken place. And, you know, and this is, um, this is part of a bigger apocalyptic sermon where Jesus speaks about what the early church is going to face in those days. And then, um, and then he speaks about the end and then he takes it back. And so it's really, this, this passage is actually really important to like kind of parse and uh, take a look. And it can be a very tricky uh, passage to preach. And, um, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, this is where Jesus is speaking about the end of not only their lives, but the end of all things. And um, 
And I think when we come to the the th- end of all things, and I'm watching a lot of this stuff pop up on like Instagram and stuff like that, and uh, YouTube feeds. I mean, you know, not, no, you know, uh, as especially with this conflict of Palestine and Israel comes about, and the apocalypse becomes more acute, and now like you know, all Iran and Hezbollah. I mean, all of this stuff is like regurgitating this end times like kind of. Pro, like word, word word prophecy stuff that begins to regurgitate. And the only thing is, is it's the same old nonsense and people get more scared and other people get really, really rich. Huh. And, um, and uh, you know, I think it's important that, and, and, and it's just depicted as like almost like the end. But as Christians, we need to remember that the end is not simply the end, but as our religious, uh, as our um, as our funeral liturgy says, it is the change of all things. And so, um, uh, uh, and as things are all being made new, but I think this is one of the comforting lessons of the fig tree that Jesus teaches here. Is, and it just seems to be like kind of thrown out of the place. Take a lesson from the fig tree. Really? What, what do you mean? Well, in, in the Holy Land, all trees are essentially evergreen, except for the fig tree, the olive tree and the fig tree, uh, which bloom right before the blast of the summer heat and late spring. And uh, this goes back to kind of what St. Paul has been teaching with birth pains and all of that. But Jesus uses a budding fig tree as a sign of the end of the heavens and the earth, and he uses new life not death to symbolize the end for a Christian. So that is the important thing as you begin to face the ends of the end. Who knows? Maybe we are at the end of the age. No one knows the day or the hour. Um, uh, this one man said, well, we don't, he didn't say month or year, but anyway, I was like, touche. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but the point is, is that as Christians, as we come to the end, whatever it may be, the mega end at the end of the age, or maybe the many ends of your life, we not, need not be afraid because we know that Jesus is coming again in great power and glory. And we confess that. And uh, we need not be cynical or over-obsessed with the details because uh, that is actually the fruit of fear. Um, the end for you and what you want to assure your congregation is not destruction. But the end for them by virtue of their baptism and the gospel is salvation and life. The end for the church, as Jesus says, is a new beginning. And, uh, and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing where everything that has been hopelessly scattered is made anew and brought all together in uh, Jesus, who uh, will uh, bring us all together and glorify his name in doing it. Yeah. Uh, Pete Holmes in his latest comedy special on Netflix, uh, which is NSFW. I love so good. But he talks about um, New Year's and how it is so dumb that we celebrate New Year's. Now, Advent is the new year. It's the beginning of a new church year. Um, and it's actually the historic, not New Year. Right. But, uh, yeah. Well, and I can tell you later. Well, so January 1st, that New Year, he, he, he has this whole bit at the beginning of the special where he talks about it, like, like the fact that we are people that like go outside and stand in the cold and we're like, 10, 9, 8. <laughs> like this is when the people who are in control, in control of all the conspiracy theories are like, these people are dumb and we can just do whatever we want because they're people that go outside and count down thinking that a new year changes anything. Like it has any impact on any of our mm. lives. He's like any day of the year. It's been exactly a year since that day happened. And yet we picked January 1st to be like this magical reset button. And I think Pete Holmes in his using humor in an amazing way, basically is saying kind of like, wake up people, like um, get in touch with what really matters. And I think that is one of the things that Advent is for. 
The world Dude, is great. full of things that are telling you, like Black Friday is telling you need things that you actually don't need. Um, Christmas sales are telling you, uh, and like the December to remember events or whatever, like all these things are putting forth a beautiful fantasy, a beautiful picture. Yeah, but so much of that is not reality. And when Advent comes in and says what this passage says, this passage says, as I already said, um, that uh, everything will pass away except for the words of Christ. Everything is temporary. That's number one. Number two, you don't know anything. Uh, Jesus says, about that day or hour, no one knows, uh, neither the angels nor the son, but only the father. So the most important thing in the entire world is when Jesus is going to return. And Jesus is saying, nobody knows that thing. So it's sort of a statement about the fact that we don't really know anything. And just you get to kind of boil it down in a small way in your life. Like, do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't. That is such a good word. I don't know anything. And yet we go through life thinking is we that we that we we know what we can sort of plan. And yes, I get you know. Just get your dictate on and take this. It's yeah, good. yeah. So um, uh, and so Jesus's command or and and uh, call here to keep awake is to just get with reality, which is not what the world says. It's not what your the ads on TV say. It's not what your social media you know, endless scroll of doom says. What is true is that everything is temporary and you don't know anything. And so that humility that comes from that, you can sort of take a deep breath and relax, I think. Um, all the panic maybe can settle a little bit because you don't know anything and you're not in control and everything is temporary. <coughs> and what really matters is Jesus Christ and, and, and he will return. As, as you know, go back to your first Corinthians reading, like he is faithful. Mm. God is faithful. God is faithful. So that's the call of Adam. And you'll feel, so well, you know, the world will make you feel stupid for saying that things like this don't matter or that we don't really know anything. The world is full of lies about control and that you know things and whatever. Um, and people look at you like you're crazy. Um, like they looked at um, Mugatu in Zoolander when he was like, all the looks are the same. Blue steel. La Tigra, Magnum, they're all the same. Anyway, that's a male modeling movie reference, and some of you appreciate that, some of you don't. But the point is, everything is temporary. No one knows anything. God is faithful. And that's all you need to know for Advent 1. That is, that's a real good word. Um, can I just say, just to, to put a cherry on top of that, um, I have um, a ministry intern named Charlie Zima, and... Um, he always prays, Lord Jesus, help us cling to you and your promises alone mm. today. And, um, you know, and it's kind of become, a, I love it, but it's kind of become a little rote to me a little bit. And uh, that is just like recharge those words mm. because that is all clinging to Jesus and his promises. Those little flock is the uh, very, is the very uh, word that will keep you awake in the midst of um, an ever-changing and never-changing world. Charles Zima, named for a malt beverage in the 1990s that uh, tasted like Sprite and was also my nickname in college. Nice, okay. On that note, happy Edmund, everybody. Bye now. Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. 
And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.